Great. Come on, church. Let's get excited. Come on, come on. All right, all right. Band, thank you. Thank you, everyone. That was amazing, amazing time of worship, amazing time celebrating baptisms and salvation this morning. Um, well, good morning, church, and welcome to week five of our Spirit-Filled Life series. And over these past few weeks, I know we have a lot of visitors in the room, and I know we have some people who maybe you haven't been here in a while, but over these past few weeks, we have been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. And we've been examining who the Holy Spirit is, how he is a person, how he is real, how he's not just a feeling in a moment, but he is God with us. And we've looked at his role in our lives, how Jesus sent him to us to be our helper, our advocate, our guide, our protector. He sent him to us to convince us of sin and to lead us to righteousness. We've looked at how the Holy Spirit can be grieved by our sin, how he can be quenched when we look at what he is doing and say, yeah, that's not the Holy Spirit. And last week, Spencer brought us a word on, on the fruits of the Spirit, which is basically that as you live a Spirit-filled life, you should become more loving, more patient, more kind, more gentle, more generous. Like the Holy Spirit is working in us to transform us and make us more like Jesus. And the principle behind this series is that very often, Christians, we, we love the Father, and we love Jesus, but we kind of just forget about the Holy Spirit. Like We love the Father because he sent Jesus to die on the cross, and we love Jesus because he came and he died on the cross. He, he actually put his sweat, blood, and tears into our salvation. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, often we're like, oh, yeah, Holy Spirit is real, but uh, who cares? Like, I love God, I love the Son, I love Jesus, but why do I need the Holy Spirit if I have the Father and, and the Son? But let me propose to you that when Jesus left this earth, if all we needed was the Father and the Son, Jesus would not have sent the Holy Spirit. And so if you live your life ignoring the Holy Spirit, you can go to heaven, you can be saved, but you are missing out on the fullness of the expression of God and what God has made available to you. See, all of us are on a journey of faith. And, and if we we're to break this journey down into three relatively simplistic phases, it would, it would go something like this. So the first stage would be to recognize God. And this is the stage that before you ever believed in Jesus, you had to come to a point where you decided in your heart, God exists. Now, there are a lot of people in this world that haven't even reached the stage. We have people who believe God doesn't exist. We have people who believe other God exists, and so on and so forth. Uh, but the first stage of faith in Christ and of being saved and, and receiving the fullness of life God has for you is you have to come to a point where you realize God exists and he loves 
me. Now, the unfortunate reality is a lot of Christians, we get to this stage, or a lot of people get to the stage, and then they just sit there. God exists, that's great, but they never progress and take that step to actually believe in Jesus, which is the second stage, to believe in Jesus. This is the moment where in a service or in a park or in a coffee shop, at some point, God gets a hold of you and you hear the gospel. You hear of the love of the Father, of God, who sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that we can be saved of our sins. And, and in that moment, you get that opportunity to believe in Jesus. And that stage, that secures your eternity. Romans 10.9, I quoted it earlier, but whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. No if, and, or buts. Will be saved. But often, Christians, we get stuck on this phase, on this stage, and we never reach the fullness that God has for us, which is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, at this stage, believe in Jesus, your eternity is secure. When you die, you're going to heaven. That's amazing. But the good news of Jesus isn't just about what God wants to do in your life once you die. It's about what he wants to do in your life now, today, through you, to change the world around you. And many Christians, we stay stuck at this phase and we believe in Jesus and our eternity is secure. We're not going to hell, but your life is a living hell. And it doesn't have to be. That's the third stage is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where you realize, oh, God has more for me than I ever thought possible. And you realize, oh, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on me. I have to choose him. I can have as much of God as I want, but no more than I'm willing to receive. And this is the stage that we've been aiming to bring people to this whole series. It's the spirit-filled life, a life where we are in surrender to Jesus where we are filled with the Spirit, and through the filling of the Spirit, we are able to do incredible things through the power of God for the betterment of the world around us. See, this whole series has been building up to this message, and next week we're going to talk about gifts of the Spirit, and we're going to talk about the power of God that is available. But the reality is that the gifts of the Spirit don't come without the filling of the Spirit. So I want to take some time this morning and talk about what does it mean to be Spirit-filled? And how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, when I was very, very young, my parents, they were involved in this church denomination that Uh, operated more as a cult than a church. And I'm not going to name them because 
I don't want to be dishonoring to people, but, but it, was just, it was an organization and a church that they believed, well, the Holy Spirit, he exists, but he might as well be dead and buried. Um, like, he, he exists, but let's just shuffle him into the back closet and lock the door, and he can stay back there and keep his mess back there, and we'll just focus on the Father and Jesus. And, but the reason I, I call it a bit of a cult was because this denomination had a prophet, and they basically believed that if their prophet said something, it was more valuable than God. And so one day, my dad, he was reading his Bible— and he was reading this book by this prophet, and he came to a place where he realized what the prophet says directly contradicts the word of God. And so he went to the pastor of the church, and he's like, look, this is what I say. The Bible says this. It's very clear. The prophet says this, which is right. And the pastor told him, well, if in doubt, the prophet is right and the Bible is wrong. Just going to segue here for a second. If anyone tells you that their word is superior to God's word or that anyone else's word is superior to God's word, run. Because the Bible is the ultimate truth. It is our source of who God is. It is our source of life and revelation. And God can speak to us now, but he will be consistent with who he was in Scripture. So the Bible is the ultimate source of truth. And so my family, we ran. And the next place we ended up in was, uh, it was a messianic synagogue. And it's just this, which is basically a group of Jews who began to believe in Jesus. And, and it was in that church for the first time that my dad met the Holy Spirit. And just walking down the stairs, he felt such peace that he had never experienced. And then as he started to learn and explore it through, through one of the services, the pastor's wife got up and she's like, there's someone in this room who you want the Holy Spirit, but you're afraid because of lies you've been told, and the Holy Spirit is going to fill you right now. And in that moment, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that marked a changing point in our family. My parents weren't perfect. I love them. They're watching this on, or I don't know if they're online right now, but they're going to watch this later. So I love you. You guys were amazing, but they weren't perfect. <laughs> but as they began to be filled with the Spirit more and more and more and more and more, they began to fight less. They began to love others more. And, and over time, as they began to realize the power that God had made accessible to them through the Holy Spirit, they began to go out and pray for people to be healed and see miraculous things happen. And this was the atmosphere I grew up in. This was my upbringing. I was a part of many, many spirit-filled churches over the year, and I never doubted the power of God. My doubt often was in my ability to be used by God, but that's a separate thing. Um, but anyways, at, at around the age of seven, I began to hear about a gift of the Spirit that is called tongues, the gift of tongues, which if you've never heard of it, it is basically the ability to speak in a foreign language you do not know, either in prayer, as a personal prayer to God, where you speak in words you do not understand, or for public exhortation with interpretation. And 
I heard about this, and I'm like, that seems really cool. And so one night, I was just in my bed, and I'm like, God, can I have the gift of tongues? <laughs> I, just, I just took Jesus literally. He said, Luke 11, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open for you. So I just, God, can I have the gift of tongues? I said, sure. And that night... For the first time in my life, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began to pray in a language I do not know through the power of God. Now, my point in sharing all of this is to give you a bit of my background, but also to demonstrate that there is a distinct difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation and being filled by the Holy Spirit. You see, my parents, when they were with the cult, they believed in Jesus, so they had the Holy Spirit. But it was not until many years later that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. As a kid, when I began to believe in Jesus, I don't even know how old I was, but when I made that decision to believe in Jesus, I received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit made his home in my heart, but I was not filled with the Spirit until the age of seven. Because there's a distinct difference between the filling of the Spirit and the reception of the Spirit. Let me prove it to you. If we go back to the three stages of faith. So we have recognize God, believe in Jesus, be filled with the Spirit. So it's at this second stage, believe in Jesus, that we receive the Holy Spirit. Let me prove it. So John chapter 16, trying a new thing where I have a physical Bible on stage. We'll see how it goes. John chapter 16, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The meaning of those last few words abides with you and will be in you. You can take it literally. The Greek literally means he will abide or remain with you and he will be in you. Then, if we flip forward to Ephesians 1, Paul tells us, In him, being Jesus, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. And the seal of the promised Holy Spirit is a promise of our coming inheritance. But at salvation, Paul says, we received the Holy Spirit. And then if I flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul tells us, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Now, the word there for dwells is the Greek word oikos, which literally translates as makes a home in. It's the idea you move into a new house, and it's a house, but it's not a home until you start to put up your pictures and put your furniture in and get comfortable. And the wording here is the Holy Spirit. He comes, and he just doesn't just live there. He makes his home in you. And so... At salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. 
And what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation is a big word that we call sanctification. It's a theology word. Let me break it down. It's really simple. To be made holy. To be clean. To be pure. And how this happens is through a term that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll preface this. There's a number of different denominations and views on when the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens, if it's the same as the filling of the Spirit, or if it's different or whatnot. It doesn't really matter your view. This is my view, and I'm going to talk about it this morning. Um, But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the reason we believe it happens at salvation is because in the Bible, baptism as a term is always used to talk about new life. That when we are baptized, it's this idea of the old self going down, dying beneath the water, all your sin, all your problems, all your mistake, you go beneath the water, all of that dies, and as you come out, you are new. It is new life. And so when the Bible talks about baptism of the Spirit, I believe it's in reference to the new life we have in Jesus. See, Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist, he's, he's been baptizing people in the Jordan River, and the religious people of that day come to him, and they're like, why are you baptizing people? This is, doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? And, and John, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after, that's Jesus, is more, or more powerful than I, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now that phrase, Holy, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, that exact phrase in the Greek is used seven times in the Bible. First is here, then exactly the same thing in Mark, in Luke, in John. Jesus says it in Acts 1 verse 5. Peter talks about it in Acts 6, or uh, Acts 11, sorry. And basically what John is saying is I baptize you with water as a way of repenting of your sins, but Jesus is going to come and his baptism is more powerful than mine. There's a second more powerful baptism available to you than water baptism and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 Paul tells us, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So at salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. He purifies us. He washes us. He makes us clean and whole and pure through what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now the bap- now, but there's a distinct distri- difference between having the Holy Spirit, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, just as in the Bible baptism is used to refer to new life, the phrase filled with the Spirit is also used for one specific meaning. 
And whenever it is used in the Bible, I did a whole study on this last week, looking into it, and just every time the Bible says filled with the Spirit, what does it mean? It always refers to the idea of an ordinary person receiving supernatural ability to do things for the kingdom of God that they couldn't do on their own. It's not like you're good, at, good with numbers and suddenly you become an accountant. That's not the filling of the Spirit. That's just you're gifted in that way. That's, that's good. It's valuable, but that's not the filling of the Spirit. Filling of the Spirit is the ability to do things you couldn't do before. For instance, in Exodus 31, we see... It says, the Lord spoke to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, these names are so much fun, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with a divine spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, with ability, intelligence, and knowledge, and every kind of skill. And I didn't put this on the screen, I don't know why, but it goes on to say, to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze. What we see right here is that God gave somebody the spiritual gift of goldsmithing. Pretty cool. And specifically, it was to build the tabernacle of God. Then Micah 3, verse 8, he says, the prophet Micah says, but as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, and with might and justice to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. And basically what's happening is the prophet Micah, he's saying to the people of Israel, hey, you guys don't like me because I'm warning you and I'm telling you what God's saying to me and he's not very happy with you. And you don't like me because you think that I have a bone to pick with you, but I don't. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And because I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I am prophesying to you and warning you of what God is saying. And we see this carry on in in the New Testament as well, in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus, just after he's been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and this is the scene where, where Jesus, he gets baptized, and as he comes up, it says the heavens opened, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and remained on him, and the voice of God spoke over him, saying, this is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And right after that happens, Luke 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, just basic science, you can't get full unless you've been filled. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tested by the devil. And then this, we go to Acts chapter 2. If I can flip to it, there we go. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, they being the disciples of Jesus and the people who were with them. All who believed in Jesus, they were together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, the gift of tongues, as the Spirit gave them ability. This is the first outpouring we see in the Bible of the Holy Spirit, of people being filled with the Spirit. 
Which is why Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, he says this. He says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. Basically, when you're drunk, you can't control yourself. That is dangerous. Do not get drunk with wine. No, he doesn't say don't drink. He says don't get drunk. Anyways, I'll digress. Um, But be filled with the Holy Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. Now it's important to note that the letter of Ephesians was written to a church full of Christians. And Paul wouldn't say to a group of Christians, be filled with the Holy Spirit if you received the Holy Spirit at salvation. Or if that happened at salvation. But no, Ephesians chapter 1, he says that when you believe, you will receive the Holy Spirit as a seal of the coming inheritance. That happens at faith. And then four chapters later, he's like, but guess what, guys? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be equipped by God to do things that you couldn't do on your own for the betterment of others. Let me illustrate this for you. So we talked about baptism. And baptism is all about new life. It's about being made clean. It's about the old self dying, all your sin, all your past, all of that dying. And water baptism, what we do here, it doesn't tangibly make you clean. I mean, in this water, it might make you more dirty. Um, but, but symbolically, it makes you clean and is a symbol of what Jesus did for you when you first believed. So baptism is the act of immersion. So if we were to picture this cup as being really, really dirty, and I wasn't able to do that because it snowed last night and it was freezing and the mud is frozen, so I wasn't able to make it dirty. But just imagine this cup represents your life, and it's dirty. So baptism is the act of being immersed. All that dirt, all that sin, all that stuff, it gets washed off, and you come out of the water clean, sparkling, perfect, new. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, whoever is in Christ, they are a new creation. See, everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Through baptism, you become new. And so baptism permanently makes you clean, but does not mean you are full. You get washed, but there's not really any water in there sticking around. But to be filled with the Spirit means that you're full. And that full of the Spirit, you can go out into different places and situations. You can go into hopeless situations and share God's love and just pour out His Spirit a little bit over here. Then you can go to your neighbors who don't know Jesus and you can share a little bit of love and pour out a bit of the Spirit here. And then you can see someone who's sick and injured and you can go and you can pray for them and through the power of the Spirit, you can see them healed because you're full. And as you go 
filled with the Spirit, powered by the Spirit to do all these incredible things you couldn't do alone, when you start to get empty, you can go back to the source and be filled again. See, through the power of God, we have been given access literally to God's power. That through his divine will and through his divine power, we can go into hopeless situations and say, guess what? You might be hopeless, but the God of hope is with you. We can go into situations where people are sick and broken and hurting and say, I know you're struggling. I know this is difficult, but let me pray for you because I know a God who can heal. He is a healer. He wants to heal you. We can go to people who are broken and hurting and just reveal God's love to them and filled with the Spirit, we can do impossible things. We can see miracles happen. We can see healing happen. We can get prophetic words and share God's word with people. We can get words of knowledge of people who are hurt or injured or struggling in in a room. We can discern what's from God or what's not. We can speak in languages we don't know. We can interpret languages we don't know. We can have faith. We can have wisdom. We can have knowledge. We have access to all of this through the filling of the Holy Spirit. But you see, many Christians, we're not full. We're empty. And many Christians, we become so consumeristic that we just come to church. We believe in Jesus. Our eternity is secure. And we come to church. We enjoy worship. We enjoy a message. And we just go on in our lives. But you see, the gospel isn't about what you can get. It's not about you. It's not about what God can do in you. It's about what God wants to do for you and through you to change the world for the better. So we all have access to the same Holy Spirit. The question is, have we been filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we accessing the fullness of everything God has made accessible to us? Are we just living our lives waiting to die so that our lives can finally be perfect when God is saying, I've given you access to heaven on earth. You don't need to wait. If you are filled with my spirit, I have given you access to everything you need. but we have to want it. See, if you're here and you want to be filled with the Spirit, the natural next question is, how? How can I be filled with the Spirit? To summarize two points, it's fairly simple. First, you have to seek it. See, Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this, so I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search or seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for a fish, would give them a snake instead of a fish? Or if your child asked for an egg, would give them a scorpion? 
If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, and this is where the church gets it wrong, we don't read all the way down to the bottom of the paragraph, it says how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask, you'll receive. Search, seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. And what's fascinating in the Greek is that all of this is active. Those three words are active. It's not like a, God, can I have the Holy Spirit? All right, I'm going to go about my day. It's persistent. God, can I have the Holy Spirit? 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 You parents in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) God, can I have the Holy Spirit? Persistent. So you see, there are certain things in the kingdom of God that come instantly, like salvation. Like if you made that decision earlier to believe in Jesus, that happens in an instant. All you need is faith. You just need to believe and your eternity is secured. But there are some things in the kingdom that we have to seek after that we cannot receive without persistence. Because God wants to know what's in our heart. See, in the book of Acts, the only people who sought the Holy Spirit and weren't filled were the people who wanted the Holy Spirit for their own gain. A guy named Simon the Sorcerer. He's like, I want the Holy Spirit because I do all of these magical things and he seems more powerful than me, so I want him so my business is better. And Paul's like, get behind me, Satan. Get away from it. You're not getting the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will not be used and abused for your success. But if you want the Holy Spirit, you have to seek Him. You have to be persistent. It might happen in a moment. It might happen in a day. It might happen in a month. It might take a year. But if you're persistent, God is faithful. and He will honor your request. The second thing we have to do is we have to surrender. Acts chapter 5, Peter says this. He says, we are witnesses to these things. And right before, he's been defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, that's a word we don't like. It's the Greek term patharxeo, which literally means to turn to to give your all, to surrender. This idea that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who surrender. I heard a a pastor named Rob Reimer, he said it this way, he said, you can have as much of God as you want, but no more than you're willing to receive. You can't be filled to overflowing if you're holding yourself back from God. You can't receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit if your cup is already half full of all kinds of evil and malice and upset and desire and your own ambitions and your own desires and and you're so focused and you're like, God, I want to be filled, but I got all this stuff that I need to do instead. And God's like, well, I'll give you the Holy Spirit, but you have to release that. beauty is that we see in the book of Acts, whenever somebody surrendered and asked to be filled, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and power. 
And in that moment, the sign of their filling was they spoke in tongues. They prophesied. They moved powerfully through the power of God. And God did something in their hearts and through their lives that they couldn't do on their own. But they had to be filled. You know, when I was in Bible college, I was so on fire for God. And I pursued God and prayed for hours a day and all kinds of things, just desperately seeking God and more of God. But, but as we were going through this series, God began to convict me that I had become complacent. And another word for complacent is lazy. And that my relationship with God, it, it was good. I trusted the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in me. He was my helper. But I hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit in forever. And so I'd been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And I was starting to run empty. And so the cry of my life for the past month is daily, be God, I want more. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Jesus, I want more of you. I want to be filled with your spirit, God. I want more. And as I came to God daily, every day he has been refilling me. Every day. It doesn't matter how much I pour out in my day or how much I pour out in my week because daily I'm going back to the source and getting God began to speak to them and reveal himself to them and give them hope. And it's not about me. It's not about what God is doing through me. It's about what God is doing. And he's using me as a conduit. But we have to want it. You might be comfortable in your life. Being filled with the Spirit isn't for somebody who's happy being comfortable. It's for those of us who want to see God do something incredible in us and through us for the betterment of those around us. So we have to be filled. So if you're here and you're saying, I, I want to be filled, God first. But if you want to be filled this morning, there's two things I want you to do. If you don't want to be filled, that's fine. You can go on your merry way and do your own thing. That's okay. God is fine with that. He loves you still. But if you're here and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing I want you to do is as we sing this song, surrender. Pray, God, I want more of you. Make that the cry of your heart. I want more of you, God. Take me, use me, change me. I am yours. Fill me, God. I put aside my desires. I put aside my needs. I put aside everything I want. And I put you first, God. 
sit, sit. If you need to stand and raise your hands, stand and raise your hands. If you need to kneel, do what you need to do to surrender. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to get prayer. See, very often, filling of the Spirit, it comes through what we call impartation. Where somebody filled with the Spirit lays their hands on you and suddenly in a moment you're filled. So after you surrender, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, either grab somebody near you and pray for one another, or we have prayer team people who are scattered across the room. Some are at the back, some are at the front. All of them, other than myself, are wearing lanyards that say prayer team. Go to them. Have them lay their hands on you and pray for you and release the Holy Spirit. you don't just sit there and do the Christian thing and then go home and live your ordinary life. But seek God. Surrender to God. And see what He will do in you and through you. Let's stand together. I want to pray for you. Father God, we love you. God, we are in love with you, with your presence, with your heart. God, we are so grateful for your love for us, that we have free access to your grace and to your salvation, and free access to your spirit and to your power. God, right now, we are waiting in eager expectation disciples did in Acts 2, we are waiting that we may be filled by you. Lord, your spirit is here. I just pray right now that you will honor the requests of those in the hearts of those who are seeking you, God. Fill us afresh, Lord. Fill us to overflowing whether it's the first time or renewal, God, fill us with your spirit.